Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So this week we come to the end of our sermon series, Praying the Jesus Way, and we're looking at the, the challenge of temptation. In our reading from Matthew's Gospel, it says, Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. But the other translations would suggest that the trial is, is more like a temptation, the trial of kind of having to resist that, that temptation. And every time I drive back from Edinburgh, having visited family through in the east, and usually when I'm passing Hermeson Gate, I'm always reminded of a, a story um, that I heard of a man named Stan. And Stan was on a diet, so you can imagine that there was a lot of shock um, on the faces of his co-workers in the office when he walks in to the office with a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. At Hermiston Gate, there is a, a Krispy Kreme, and it's a real struggle to pass it every time we come past it. But anyway, Stan walks in with this box of Krispy Kreme donuts. And he said, Stan, what are you doing? We thought you were on a diet. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm on a diet, but I was coming into work today, and I prayed that if it was God's will, and there was a parking space right outside the Krispy Kreme donut shop, then it was his will that I would go in and buy some. And Stan said, what a wonderful God we have. A God who answers prayer. Because after eight times of driving around that car park, I eventually found a space right outside that donut shop. It was God's will. And I now have the donuts. See, Stan's temptation for these donuts had caused him to manipulate a situation that would allow him to go into that shop and buy those donuts. And the thing is, temptations are a thing that we all struggle with. It may well be Krispy Kreme donuts or any other kind of donuts for that matter. Or it might be that we find ourselves in a, a conversation with other people and out of nowhere, we just find ourselves gossiping or bad-mouthing someone that's not there. Don't know how it happens. It just happens as we look to, to fit into to this, this group dynamic that's happening. We've fallen into the, that temptation of trying to fit in rather than be a light into the world. Or how about television? Television, television is a, a real struggle. We might say, oh, I might just watch one more episode. And then three hours later, you're still sitting there in front of the TV having binged through an entire series of something, neglecting the things that you probably wanted to do and probably should have been doing. Or the thing is, what about the, and I'm going to just come out and say it, the younger generation, my generation, do I get to still class myself as a younger generation? Who knows? But these things, did you just say No. I heard that. Anyway, these things, mobile phones, 
social media, various apps on our mobile phones that we sit and we're glued to them. The thing is, mobile phones are wonderful pieces of technology and they've developed so quickly over time. They've created this opportunity for us to be connected to people on the other side of the world so, so quickly. But the other issue is that in being able to be connected to someone on the other side of the world, it's created a disconnect with probably someone that's sitting on the other end of the couch from you. I was watching something happen the other week there. And it was two of my friends, and they were going back and forward with one another on a social media platform. They were in the same room. <laughs> we appear to be more connected than ever before through technology, but there's that potential to completely disconnect from those that are around you. And of course, the the big temptation, I'm not going to say for everyone, but certainly for me, is food. The temptation of food. You know, everybody loves a salad. But I've very rarely ever heard anyone say, ooh, I'm feeling really tempted by that lettuce or that tomato. These things are lovely, but I don't think anybody's tempted by them. We tend to be tempted by things that will taste nice for a short period of time. Probably no, no nutritional value in them. When we were over in America at the start of the year, there was a box of cereal quite proudly boasting on its box that there was no nutritional value to this cereal. And I thought, wow. But the thing is, we aren't alone in being tempted and in need of of help with that. It's a big theme in the Bible. Humankind being tempted, falling into temptation, and God trying desperately to save his people at every opportunity. If we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, we read of not long after the, the creation, we see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, this opportunity to live in this paradise, absolute paradise with access to anything that they need, but one thing they must stay away from. They can have anything apart from one thing. They're told to just leave one thing. Genesis chapter 2, God says, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. See here God has given them carte blanche to take anything from any of the other trees apart from this one. However, in the very next chapter, at the beginning of chapter 3, read that Eve is tricked by the devil using the same tactic that the devil uses to this very day. He whispers lies plants questions in our minds that seem plausible at the time, but aren't of God at all. In Genesis chapter 3, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Doubt and lies used to trick Eve into going against what God had warned them about not doing. Now I wonder if you can remember, I'm not going to, this is not judgment, if you can remember what it was to be a child. Being told not to do something makes that thing somehow seem far more attractive than it actually is. I remember vividly being told as a child, Neil, you will not go to Crichton Castle. Therefore, it doesn't take a genius to work out that I went to Crichton Castle. This ruined castle about a mile away from our village. And when I'd return home, I would be asked, you've been away a while. Where have you been, Neil? As quick as a flash. Quick as a flash. Oh, I've been round at my friend's house. You see, not only being tempted by that thing, I also ended up lying as well. I ended up lying to my mum and dad. I'm pretty sure my mum and dad knew that I lied because I'm not a very good liar. I never ever have been. But the thing is, it's that thing that makes it more attractive. You know, the snake tempts Eve into doing the, the wrong thing. Just whispers in there, what harm could it do? Surely it's not that bad. And the thing is, we all have these two voices that are playing out in our heads and in our lives. The first voice is God's voice calling us to, to love and to put our trust in Him. And then there's this other voice that's looking to move us further and further away that we would dismantle our trust in God, just saying, what harm could it do? Go on, you deserve it. It's okay, you're not actually harming anyone else. You know that phrase? You know, as long as I'm not harming anybody else, then blah, 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 blah. But that's the biggest lie. Our Father in heaven looks down on all of his children with love. And if you're hurting yourself, then it hurts him. So we need to understand that we have these two voices and we need to choose which one we're going to follow. The thing is, in this line of the Lord's Prayer, it can be a bit confusing because it begs the question, does God actually lead us into temptation? We're asking God not to lead us into temptation. So does that mean that he does? You might remember back in the sermon series when we were going through the letter of James and in that first chapter, verse 13, James writes, No one when tempted should say, I am being tempted for God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. James obviously realized that when people come across the Lord's Prayer, that they're going to be confused by that. When he says, what's this about temptation? Is God leading us into temptation? He says, no, no one should say that God is tempting me. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone so what does this mean? 
I like to look at those first four words where it says, and lead us not. And lead us not. We're asking God to lead us. As human beings, we find it easy to fall into these patterns of temptation. But in this prayer, we're asking God to lead us towards the good thing and away from the temptation, away from the evil one. We're saying, God, would you lead my life? Lead us in every aspect of our lives. And God wants to lead his people because he loves us and wants us to flourish. doesn't want us to destroy ourselves. There's so many powerful examples in the Bible. If we think in the book of Exodus, where we find the Israelites in the desert as they're walking around the wilderness, they've been rescued from Egypt, and they're now finding themselves in this limbo period before they enter the promised land. And we read that they're being led by this pillar of smoke during the day and a pillar of fire at night. God is using these things to lead his people. And after a little while, the, the Israelites need another nudge. And it's then that God delivers the Ten Commandments to them. These ten rules that will allow them to flourish. Allow them to find it easier to, to love and trust others and to trust God. But it doesn't end there either. Because after a little while longer, they need another nudge because they feel that they need something else. They need security. So they seek it from God. They say, we, we're worried about all of these Gentile nations that are surrounding us. And they've all got kings. We need a king. God says, you'll get a king. But it wasn't good enough. They wanted a physical king with them at the time. So God allows that. He delivers them this physical leader, a warrior, who would protect them. God doesn't take it to heart. He continues to, to love them and provide for them. So God delivers them Saul, a warrior, a mountain of a man. And that works out for a little bit. But then Saul is tempted. And then it doesn't work out. King David works out a little bit better. But after a while, that doesn't work either. So God sends prophets to try and nudge the leaders to, to get back on the right paths. And what I love about that journey with that one group of people is that it reminds us that human beings, we always think that we know best. We try to do things ourselves, but it never quite works out. But how amazing is it that God never gives up? Never gives up on us. Continues to want to lead us, to guide us onto those right paths. You know, his words in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. The Lord wants to lead us. Not to the place of discomfort, or into the hands of evil. And it's in Luke's gospel at chapter 9. 
that Jesus reminds us that if we want to follow him, that it won't be easy, that we'll have to take up our cross daily. We would lay down our life to follow him. And in John's gospel, he refers to himself as the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So how do we follow the good shepherd? The first thing is we need to get to know him. We need to get to know him and commit to being led by him in every aspect of our lives, not just the, the little bits that we allow Jesus into. Equally, we allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, nudging us toward that path that God wants for us. We can call it uh, a conscience. We can, in fact, you can call it whatever you want. But I think we all know what it feels like when we know we're about to do something that's wrong or we regret. We know that there are things in life that are better for us than not, and vice versa. But in those times where we are about to do something that we might regret or something that we think is wrong, we have that burning sensation where you feel really warm. We know we're in the wrong or we're about to be in the wrong. And we need to be led by the Holy Spirit to, to nudge us and prompt us towards those good things and away from those feelings of regret and burning that will maybe hurt us or hurt others. In the Bible, we read that Jesus came to give us life and life in its fullest, that we would prosper and flourish. And the more we understand that, the more we're able to be guided by him. But this is more than just about living a good life for the sake of having a good life. It's about being led into a transformed life. So you can enjoy this relationship with God made possible to you through Jesus. We need to be guided by the word of God and in prayer. And that's why it's so important that I focus heavily on it. That we spend time in prayer daily. That we seek God's wisdom and strength and guidance. And of course gathering for worship. is so important for us as well. So thankful that we are able to gather again for worship. I remember before I pursued my call into ministry, I worked as a project manager. And I vividly remember when I first started coming back to church every week in my early 20s. And it felt like every single week the sermon was about me or for me. I'd sit there petrified about what was going to come in the sermon because it felt like it was talking directly at me. I don't know if you remember a film called The Truman Show. I love it. It's one of my favorite films. The actor Jim Carrey is in this TV show that he has no idea about. He thinks it's reality, but it's just a TV show. There's cameras everywhere documenting everything that he does in his life ever since he was a baby. And I started to think that my minister had cameras in my life. Because it felt like every single week. 
Every single week, it felt like it was for me. The things that I was struggling with, things that I needed to hear. And the thing is, looking back now, you know, while I realize that, you know, I am unique and special in, in God's eyes. The world is the world. Struggles are struggles. And we all go through stuff. God was allowing the, the preparation and prayer of my minister to relay a message to the congregation. It wasn't only for me that week, but it felt like that because it really spoke to me. God was speaking to me through the sermon, the worship, the whole service, just when I needed it the most. And I really believe that God wants to lead us and guide us in our time of worship here in Stonelaw too. What a privilege I have as your minister, but what a responsibility too in the preparation and the prayers. However, I'm not unique in having that responsibility. God can use all of us and other people And in our conversations that we have with them on a daily basis, God can speak through those. They don't have to be filled with Christianese or Bible quotes or maybe even not mentioning Jesus' name. I would hope that it would lead to that. But it can be in our run-of-the-mill conversations where we just know that God is speaking to us through another person. Those amazing conversations that start about anything. And then just in that moment, you realize that the Holy Spirit's prompted you that God is speaking to you through this other person or throughout the situation. It might be here in our congregation where you're speaking to a friend. might be in our circle of friends away from church or at work or university or school or Whenever we're out and about and God wants to lead us and guide us and direct us away from temptation. And the thing is, God can close off doors to us if we ask him. There might be things in our lives that are making it easier to fall into temptation. Things that are in our lives that we just can't seem to shift. And we we well may be wanting to say to God, I don't want to be tempted by this thing anymore. Take it away from me. And God will provide an opportunity for that door to be closed. But the thing is, he'll never ever lock it. You know, close the door. But he'll never ever lock it. Because God loves us and gives us free will. The free will to respond to his love. Only we have the power to decide whether that door remains closed or not. But we can ask God to close these doors on the temptation to that thing that's causing us to stumble. But only we decide whether it's closed and it would help us to be delivered from the evil one. And evil sounds like such a a strong word. When we think of evil, we think of horrible, violent acts, things that are happening in our world, such as those that are currently happening in Ukraine. But those are things over on the other side of the world. We don't think they'll tend to hurt us. The thing is, Satan is not even anywhere close to being equal to God. 
Nowhere close. Satan has to use lies and prompts towards temptation as a tool that we would destroy ourselves and our relationship with God. And as I said earlier, Satan still uses the tried and tested methods that he used on Eve in the Garden of Eden. I don't know if any of you have read the, the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, and it's a wonderful, wonderful illustration of what Satan does. Screwtape is a, a senior demon, and he's advising his nephew Wormwood on how to deal with the patient, as human beings are referred to. How to edge them further and further away from the relationship with God. And it's all very sneaky. It's all very small things that lead to being put away on a different direction, away from God. In Romans 6, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is alive and wants us to be alive in him. And that's what we're called to. That's what we're made for. Death isn't just the physical death that we will all go through, but also the destruction of our lives, the destruction of our character, the destruction of our influence, not in a, an authoritarian way, but every one of us has an influence. There are people that are in our spheres of influence, but we can destroy that. But equally, we can destroy our relationships. When we fall into patterns of doing things that aren't good for us, they destroy our relationships moving forward. Not just our earthly relationships, but our relationship with God. And the thing is, we need to be praying daily for God to help us with the things that we're being tempted by. That God would deliver us away from it. That he would guide and lead us towards the things that will help us flourish. The things that will help us to become more and more like the one that we choose to follow. The good shepherd. So that we would look more and more like Jesus each and every day of our lives. That the voice that we hear, the louder of the two voices inside us, is the one that is calling us to love and to trust in him. So my prayer for us this week is that we would all hear that voice far louder than the one that is tempting us to that short-term pleasure. That our focus would be on the true and everlasting joy, the true and everlasting pleasure of knowing that we are loved and that we are called not to death, but that we are called to life forevermore in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are there for us, that we have the opportunity to follow you, the true good shepherd. You care for every single one of us, and we're sorry when we've stumbled. We're sorry when we've listened to the voice of the tempter and responded to it. Lord Jesus, help us to close doors that might need closed and give us the strength to keep them closed. Allow other doors to open with fresh revelation of your love for us. 
Give us the strength this week to seek your guidance in every aspect of our life. That we would lay down the things that would destroy us and pick up those things that will give us a life forevermore. A life that is only made possible by your sacrifice for us. And it's in your precious and mighty name that we pray. Amen.